0: If you look in your bulletin, you'll see our awakening prayer. Uh, this is to be prayed every day. The prayer focus will be out tonight on social media. And again, there's a different uh, prayer that's needed each day for some component aspect of our congregation. But every day we want to be praying for an awakening. We're in this year 2020, and we're, we're talking about 2020 vision coming to see what God can do, we know that God can take what is dead, bring it to life. We know that God can take what is dirty and make it holy. This is the power of our God, and having been transformed by His grace, it's now our privilege and responsibility to impact our world, uh, all of our our, our, our our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus, and that's every part of our personal world. We need to be thinking about that, and, and this month uh, leading up to Easter. We're going to talk about impacting our homes and neighbors in every generation uh, by by seeing what it looks like to have healthy homes. Uh, You know, when you have a healthy home, when we have a healthy home, it impacts culture. Uh, Cultures that are made up of, uh, of healthy homes are healthy cultures, and we have a responsibility of disciples of Jesus to building healthy homes. And that's one of the great ways that we can impact our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus is by having a healthy home, and God's Word shows us how. God's Word gives us a vision for this, it shows us what it looks like, and in this series the Bible is going to reveal to us the fundamentals of having a healthy home. And and, and this is so crucial, today we're going to look at where it all starts. A healthy home, it all starts with mom and dad. When mom and dad are stable. It creates stable footing for children. When mom and dad are unstable, it creates instability for children. Now God is gracious to us, and God provides for us, and He gives us strength and and abilities that that go beyond what we could ever understand, but it is is so important and so wise to follow God in His Word, And, and before we seek to be parents, we need to first seek to be godly husbands and wives, and that's first, that comes first, and, and it's, it's not always easy to know how to do that, especially in our culture and society. So one of the things that we do at Living Hope is we seek to mentor uh, every nearly and newly married in their 20s. If you're in your 20s and you're, you're about to get married, or you've just gotten married, you need to let us know. You need to contact the church and let us know, because we have families that, that, couples that open up their homes and they mentor young couples for about two years, walking them through what does it look like to have a godly marriage and a healthy home. Now if you're beyond that age, uh, we have our biblical counseling center. If you look on the back of your bulletin at the bottom, you'll see the, the website Living Hope cares.org. You'll also see the phone number that you can call. That's—that's not only for our congregation, our church family, but it's for anyone, and it's free, and it's solid biblical counseling. So please know that that's available, and share the Word. Let people know, and you know that that is available, and it's so, so important for moms and dads to first and foremost have a, a godly marriage, a solid footing for your children to stand on, for children to stand on. Uh, in the sixth grade, I knew that my parents were not going to make it. I, I watched them, I, I, and my parents were good people. They loved me very, very much. They were very good to me, but as I was watching their relationship, I could just see it. They weren't, they weren't going to stay married, and it, it took a few years before they were divorced, and it didn't surprise me, but it did devastate me. It did create so much anxiety in my heart, but even in the sixth grade, before they were divorced, as I saw their relationship begin to fall apart, it it did something in my heart and mind. First of all, it, it made me think, I need to protect my heart. Because these folks aren't going to make it, and it's going to hurt. So I need to begin to pull away a little bit from them and a little bit from everybody, because this is, this is going to hurt. The second thing is I began to think through, okay, what am I going to do? Because they're not going to make it. So I need to start making plans that don't involve them. I need to start getting out here on my own. I need to stop listening to, to them, and I need to start figuring out who I am going to listen to. And, and, and then I, I started really figuring out, i got to find a place to belong. They're not going to make it. I'm not going to have a home that, that, that I've, you know, I've, I've been brought to, to up to in this point. So I got to figure out where can I connect? Where can I belong? And the instability of my parents' relationship created instability within me. Friends, a, a healthy home, it begins with mom and dad. Mom and dad, what kind of footing are you providing for your kids? Grandparents. What kind of footing are you providing for your kids? Living hope. What kind of footing are we providing for the children that come here? You know, twice a year we have a family dedication here, and at that time we affirm with these families that are coming to say that they're going to raise their children in in the truth of the gospel that we're going to help them. How are we helping them? Are we being faithful to what God's Word says? Well, this morning we're we're going to look at a a section of Scripture that helps us understand how we can have healthy homes. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Psalm 78. We're going to be in verses 5 through 8 of Psalm 78. Molly's going to read for us. As she comes, let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Again, we're in Psalm 78. Psalm 78, beginning in verse 5. Molly, read that for us. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Molly. If you would, go ahead and and be seated. Before digging into the text today and drawing out three um, points, I I want to first establish some fundamentals uh, that I I believe is now necessary to do. Um, I would not have felt the necessity to do this uh, even a decade ago, but, but now con- considering the culture that we're in, um, there's some, there's some underlining, uh, underlying factors that need to be spoken to. Hold your finger, if you would, there in Psalm 78 and join me in Genesis chapter 2. Uh, regardless of what Western culture uh, teaches and legalizes, there's, there's four things that I, that I want uh, the, the, the Word of God says that I want to point out to you. The first one is this. It takes the biology of a mom and dad to make children. Regardless of what our, our Western culture may say and, and teach, Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 is a fact. "'Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh.'" That's what marriage is. Marriage is one man and one woman for the duration of their life, and it's from the biology of a mom and a dad that children come. No matter what is legalized, no matter what culture may say, a marriage is between a man and a woman for life. And that's where life comes from. It takes a mom and a dad. Now, second thing. A mom and dad each have a particular role they're made for. So go to verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. God made each of us male and female with certain capabilities. As it pertains to parenting, there is a role for a mom and a dad. Now to all single parents. Uh, Can you raise your child? Yes. Yes, you can. Single mom? Yes, you can. Single dad? Yes, you can. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be way, it's gonna weigh heavy on you. And that's why we're here as your church family. Next week, I can't wait, we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, 42-47, and we're going to talk about the church family, and we're going to talk about how that can be lived out even in our ind- individual homes, and then how that plays out into the, our life as a, as a church family. But I, I want to tell you, one of the great blessings of my life in my adolescence were men who who filled in a particular paternal role. My dad was doing his best, but I cannot tell you how grateful to God I am for men within our church family who provided fatherly direction for me, and women who, who provided such a, a maternal love to me. Uh, my mom did her best, but, it, but even beyond that, there were women within our congregation who were so kind to me, who loved me, and cared for me, and, and it was within that, the framework of that, that love, that bond, as each man and woman was fulfilling a particular role that God designed them for that blessed me. Third, sin has complicated God's design, but not destroyed it. God told Adam and Eve that they were to multiply. That despite the fall, despite sin, that is still the command. Now, sin has caused a lot of problems. Uh, Flip over to to Genesis Genesis 4 real quick. And you'll see that that responsibility to to multiply is still there, but now it's complicated by sin. And and no sooner has there been the the next generation beyond Adam and Eve that we find by verse 8 the first homicide. This is what sin does, it kills, it destroys. And we have to be mindful of that. We have to be mindful that we're not living in the garden anymore. This is a broken world. The world is not as it should be. But God's plan and His design still stands. And in His grace, what's God doing? Fourth thing, God is redeeming people to live out His design. God is redeeming people, and and that's that's good news. That's what we might call gospel, is that God has revealed His story, and within His story, history, we are able to understand our story. We know that the Bible is not just a collection of stories or sayings, but it's a single story in four parts—creation, fall, rescue, and restoration. And within God's story, we're all living out our story. We understand God's design. We long for it. We long We long for peace. We long for harmony. We long for a conflict-free relationships. We long for these things, but we don't have them. Why? Because of sin. All the brokenness of our world comes back to sin. And and we can choose to stay in sin, we can choose to stay in that brokenness, but God's story tells us that there's been a rescuer who has come, Jesus Christ, God Himself, who came And the good news of the gospel. What makes the gospel good news is God promised He would come, and God has come, and He has died to pay the penalty for our sin, He has been raised, and He's soon returning. And until that time, we can pursue and recover God's design, and right now we can experience something of the restoration, all, all the time mindful that one day Jesus will return, and, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and the final restoration will happen. And what we can experience now is so much of the goodness of the power of God, and because of the gospel we can impact our homes with the hope of Jesus. Our text today shows us how. Let's go back now to Psalm 78. We're going to be in in, in Psalms today. We're going to be in different sections of Scripture throughout this series. A word about the Psalms. The Psalms are hidden, I believe, right in the middle of our Bible, and the Psalms need to be hidden in our hearts, right in the middle of our hearts. The Psalms are are powerful uh, uh, places of truth from God's Word. They're they're often presented, these truths are often presented poetically. Our text for today, Psalm 78, is what is called a historical Psalm. It's like Psalm 105, Psalm 106, and and this this Psalm tells us something of, of a history history and points us to reality and and for parents uh, all of us who who want to honor god but parents in particular understand they impact their home with jesus's hope when they write it down live under the authority of god's word the psalms are an important part of god's word we need to spend time in those in the, in the psalms every day i believe We need to be encouraged by them, we we need to be challenged by them, we we need to be inspired by them. Uh, The psalm that we're looking at today, it it reminds us of who God is, reminds us of the mistakes that we easily all make, and, and points us to this pursuit of a life that God blesses. The people of God, these people that the psalmists were writing about, they had the Word of God. It was available to them. The testimony in Jacob and the appointed law of Israel. This is God's holy Word. And this Word was not meant to be something that sat on a shelf. It wasn't something that was supposed to be spoken of but never actually read. There, There are many, unfortunately, who want to talk about the inerrancy and the authority of God's Word, but who don't know God's Word because they don't spend time in it every single day. They do not build their lives in it and on it. God's Word has been given to us not only so we can know it, but look what the text says so that we can teach it, which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children so that they could then pass it on to the next generation. You know one of the things I love about God's Word is it it, it tells us exactly what to do. I, I I am a man, and so I needed a helper who could tell me exactly what to do. What made our marriage work is once my wife realized that I don't know what to do. And she was able to tell me, hey, you need to do this. You know what I hated in college, you know what I hated in seminary is when a professor would say, hey, here's the content, here's the information for the class, now just go write something, go just do a project, but I'm going to grade you on it. That's misery. Tell people what you want, tell them. Tell them exactly. Here's what it is. Here's what I'm expecting. Here's how you're going to be graded." That's what the Bible does. It is a great gift from God. It's a gift from God that says, here's who God is. Here's who you are. Here's what is expected of you. Here's what brings blessing, and here's the way I'm going to grade what's happening. The Bible tells us, the Bible explains to us where we came from. The Bible explains clearly what went wrong, The Bible tells us how it is everything can be made right. The Bible gives us hope, reminding us that there is a a future, that there is something better that's coming in the restoration of God. This Word, it it shows us God's will, it shows us God's way. Listen, throughout our lives we're going to have a tendency to want to gain tools and treasure. But friends, those those things are not going to help us if we're not on the right path. You can have all the money in the world, you can have all the tricks and, and, and techniques that you want, but if you're not going the right way, you're going to have serious problems and pain. For the last three years I've done something I would encourage you to do. I've been reading John Bunyan. How many of you know and regularly read John Bunyan? Show of hands. How many of you have ever read The Pilgrim's Progress or uh, Part One or Part Two Christianity? Show of hands. More of you. That's great. In the other two services, it was like a calf staring at a new gate. No clue, right? But I'm so glad to hear that. I want to encourage more of you to read Bunyan. Get a good, uh, updated translation, and, and uh, the one I've added is The Holy War. Uh, last year and this year, I, I'm, right now I'm reading Holy War, I'm almost done with it. What I love about Bunyan and what he's done in these works is that he reminds us that, the, that life is a journey, and we all have to choose the path we're going to take. And the path that that God calls us to is a narrow way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we enter through that narrow gate by faith. And it's there that we find salvation, but salvation is not the end. Public profession of faith and baptism is not the end, it's just the beginning. Then we have our whole life to go through on this narrow way. And what Scripture does is it shows us the way shows us the challenges, shows us how to endure, how to win the victories. And as you read Bunyan, you see him quoting Scripture. If you know Scripture, when you read Bunyan, you're going to notice, you're going to hear the quotations, you're going to remember the stories. It, it, it's, it's going to be like finding buried treasure all over the place. And that's what God's Word does. It It teaches us the way, parents who teach their children God's way according to His Word, they give hope to their home. Second thing to take note is this. Parents impact their home with Jesus' hope when they maintain an awareness of generational power. Mom and Dad, you have so much authority. The plan of God is, is not only that parents would pass on their DNA, but they would pass on a way of life. Parents what kind of way of life are you passing on to your kids? Grandparents, what kind of way of life are you showing to your grandchildren? Living hope! What what kind of path, what kind of, of way are we showing to the children who come and watch us teach and, and watch us sing on Sundays and, and hear us in the hallways? What kind of way are we presenting? Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that we're, we're going to pass down some way. The question is, what kind of way are we going to pass? And, and again. Don't just think about what's immediately in front of you. So often as parents, we can get bogged down in any particular moment in time. Here's what I'm learning about about parenting. It never ends. Some of you know. See, because you think, I'm going to send them away, they're going to send me a bill, and then it's going to be done. Wrong! Wrong. I'm, I'm learning from some of our leaders in our congregation." The fun just keeps on coming, <laughs> because there's all kinds of questions, there's all kinds of needs, there's all kinds of leadership, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. Within a church family there's so much wisdom that is necessary for us to be able to sustain and be able to pass on. And it's so crucial that we be mindful of our legacy, mom, dad, grandparents, church member. What's going to be your legacy that you pass on to the next generation? I, I can name all kinds of people from different congregations uh, that have had a, a wonderful impact on my spiritual journey. It's not just moms and dads, it's everyone who comes in contact with that church, uh, with that kid, especially at church, but mom and dad in particular. Let me ask you you're going to pass on a legacy. Are you being intentional? There's a. There's a historical comparison that uh, has it, it, it's been criticized, but the the statistics are obvious. Uh, they, there's some who want to kind of uh, debate the numbers, but at the end of the day, hi, here's the thing: there, there were two men a couple hundred years ago, Jonathan Edwards and a, Mac, a man named Max. Uh, what's Max's last name? Jukes. J u k e s. Now, Jonathan Edwards is arguably the greatest theologian that ever lived in North America. He was a wonderful pastor, he was a a great academician, but even more than that, he was a great dad, and he married a godly woman named Sarah, and every night— Every night when he was home, he gathered his family around, and they spent an hour or more talking about Scripture. They spent uh, time with him praying, and he prayed a blessing over each one of his children, and that created a legacy. Now, this guy, Max Jukes, he was not a believer. He did not believe in Christian training, and and neither did his wife. Listen to the difference in terms of the legacies of these two men. So 150 years after the death of Jonathan Edwards, here's what they found. His lineage have produced one United States vice president, three United States senators, three governors, three mayors, thirteen college presidents, thirty judges, sixty-five professors, eighty public office holders, a hundred lawyers, and a hundred missionaries, pastors, and theologians. He did okay. <laughs> what about jukes? Well, from his family line, and they discovered this by, by, um, by examining 42 men who were in a, the New York prison system at one point, and they realized that all 42 of those men had come from Jukes and his wife. At that time, at the expense of over $1.2 million to uh, taxpayers in New York to imprison them, seven murderers. 60 thieves, 128 prostitutes, 140 convicts, 280 indigents, 440 alcoholics. Friends we're all leaving a legacy. Our choices and our way of life are influencing the next generation. We will typically hit what we aim for. We may not always hit it, but that's the direction we're going. What? are you aiming for? What are you teaching your children to aim for? What is it based on? Friends, parents, please make it your aim to do more than to get your kids through adolescence without getting into major trouble. Please do more than train your children to make a paycheck. As good as that is, there's more to it. Here's our aim according to Scripture. This comes from — second? Timothy chapter 2, Paul writing to Timothy, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What's supposed to happen? We're supposed to teach our children to love Jesus, to to know, love, and obey Jesus, so they can teach their children to know and love and obey Jesus. And it's more than just children uh, generationally. We need to be sending our children to school to make disciples. We need to be training our children to stand for the faith and stand as light where they live, on their ball teams, in in their neighborhoods, wherever they are. We need to do more than just to hope that our children can say no. Friends, no, more than that. What are they saying yes to? What's their yes Make sure their yes is Jesus Christ. Make sure their yes is the Word of God and the Spirit of God empowering them. Look beyond just bad behavior. Get onto what God can do. Imagine what God can do, and pray for that and pursue that with all your heart. It's not easy. It takes training. That's why next month we're going to offer training for parents. You'll be hearing about it. If your child is in our Next Generation Ministry, you'll be getting emails from our pastors and ministers. I want to encourage you not only to attend, but to encourage other... Other people you know, friends to come with you and to experience this training again, impacting our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. This is one of the ways that we can be a help, is that we can equip not only our family, but we can share God's word with everyone, which is going to bring a blessing to all. So be mindful of that, be looking for that to come. Third thing. Parents impact their home with Jesus' hope when they train their children to intentionally trust God, to intentionally trust Him. The good news of God is that He can sustain a faithful people and save people who have lost their way. One of the things that I'm so grateful for, my mom reminded reminded me of this recently, is uh, well beyond the the people that, that I knew. I had extended family that were praying for my salvation and for my calling. Um, on on both sides of my parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, who were praying for my salvation. Now once I began to come to church, even when I was a heathen, there were people that were praying for me. And having come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, there were lots of people who began to pray for me, And, and and it's such a blessing because of where I'd been i have been in such a broken place, and God changed me. He's still changing me. And and there are parts of my my story that I I wish were different, but here's what I know. God has a plan for everything, and we can trust Him. So listen, parents, if, if, if it's not gone well up to this point, make a change. Choose. Choose now to go forward. Some of you, you've been doing great up to this point, but don't, don't forget, yesterday's victories cannot win today's battles. And so we're going to have to fight every single day. I take courage and encouragement from Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 says, Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward, forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Mom and Dad do that. Living hope do that. Grandparents, do that. Yesterday is done. We can choose now. We can begin to look forward intentionally. We begin, can speak truth. We can teach them to set their hope. Look what the scripture says, to set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. There's a lot of ways you can do this, and when you go to those family training courses, they're going to give you a lot of tools. Let me tell you two things that are musts, two things that you, you got to do this. First is this, pray out loud every day for and with your children. Pray out loud Let them hear you come before the throne of grace and ask God to intervene in in their life. Tell you what it does. One, it reminds them that, that there is God. It reminds them that you know this God and trust Him. And it helps them see your love for them as you're praying for them, and it teaches them how to pray. Your children need to learn to pray. They learn best by hearing you pray regularly. There is a power in it. Every single day, pray out loud for and with your children. Second, study and memorize God's Word every single day. Now, mom and dad, this is intimidating, I know, but let me give you kind of a heads up on this, all right? They will memorize Scripture easier than you. Okay, don't be intimidated by that, all right? They have less to think about, all right? So boys and girls, before you go off and get all prideful, just remember there's a lot of times you don't remember to put on deodorant, all right? You've you've gone days without wearing underwear, okay? Let's be honest about this, all right? And your mom and dad have had to remind you of that. So we have to worry about a lot of stuff, and that is probably why we can't memorize Scripture as fast and as effectively as you. But it doesn't mean that that you're smarter than us, it just means that you don't have to worry about squat. Mom and dad, memorize God's Word with your children. There's a chance that your child's going to think about taking their own life one day. There's a good chance that there's going to be someone who's going to tell your child that that they are worthless. There's going to be a time, there's going to be something that someone may say that that could destroy — isn't it funny how the enemy loves to distract right when I — right on a moment? I want to pause for just a minute. I want you to hear this. When you put the word of God in your child's heart, you're putting something very powerful there. And you never know when that fruit might come out when it's needed. And it's so powerful. Teach your children to hide the word of God in their heart so that when you're not there or when they're beginning to hear lies, the truth stands. Friends, it's not going to just happen, you've got to be intentional about it. You've got to be, you've got to think through what are the Scriptures they need to know. Let me give you a handful of Scriptures that me, are must-haves, Psalm 1, Psalm 23, Psalm 1, Psalm 23, Romans 8. Um, Lamentations, oh, Lamentations, um, the middle section. What is it, Asher? <laughs> Lamentations, say it out loud. Tw- 23? Lamentations 3, what's the citation? Can't remember me either. Yes, 23, I think it's what it is. It talks about how His faithfulness is, is, is every morning. Second um, Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. Right now, we're in uh, Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 and 6, and the the E-N-I-V is so much easier than the ESV, but we're going to stick with the ESV. Friends, the Word of God is powerful. It's powerful. They need this Word. Put this in them. Let me finish by saying this. Let me show you something real quick. You know the story. Or at least you've heard about it today. Look, your child has been made in the image of God. Your child is a sinner. You don't have to teach them to lie, you don't have to teach them to throw a fit. They're sinners. Jesus Christ has come to rescue their soul. Jesus is going to come back. friends. Your child is going to live forever somewhere. You are going to live forever somewhere. Five hundred years from now, it's not going to matter what your kid made on the ACT. It's not going to matter what college they graduated from. It's it's not going to matter if they were in the lead play, they had a date for prom. That had a good-paying job. What's going to matter 500 years from now is does your child know Jesus Christ and Him crucified and raised? And does that risen Savior know her or Him? This morning, as we conclude, I want to invite some of you to come, pray for our church, pray for awakening, pray for our families. Moms and dads, I want to encourage you, just right there where you are, just huddle up and just pray for each other. If you want to come forward, come forward. Some of you need to come and pray, not for just your family, but families you know that are hurting and need help, come pray for them today. Let's stand together. Father, Your Word is so good, and we are so grateful for this truth. So, so, so thankful for the way you've designed us to be in families. So grateful for the church family. Lord, I pray that you would hear the prayers of families that are going to pray for each other right now. God, hear the prayers of your people as we ask for an awakening. Hear the prayers of some who ask you to forgive them and to give them new eternal life in Christ Jesus whom they believe in. And Lord, hear us as we come to ask that you act on behalf of others that we love and care about to do miracles. As Jason sings, pray.